congregation, we begin our worship by confessing that our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen. Receive the greeting of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth. Amen. Let's sing together Psalm 96, stanzas 1 and 4. Revelation 12, where we begin reading at verse 1, and this is the, the word of God then. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on its heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,000 260 days. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to a place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on his horns, and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. 
And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words. And it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of the life, the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive into captivity, he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must, must he be slain. Here's a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has, the, has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him the 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth so far. Congregation, this afternoon... I proclaim to you God's word as we confess that in Lord's Day 8 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 8. And there we confess the word of God as follows. How are these articles divided? And then that means the articles of the Apostles' Creed. Into three parts. The first is about God the Father and our creation the second about God the Son and our redemption, the third about God the Holy Spirit and our sanctification. Since there is only one God, why do you speak of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Because God has so revealed himself in his word that these three distinct persons are the one true eternal God. So far our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, Boys and girls who belong to him, 
you knew, of course, how the Apostles' Creed was divided into those three parts. God the Father in our creation, God the Son in our redemption, and God the Holy Spirit in our sanctification. One holy and gracious and mighty work of the three persons, the one holy and almighty God, to create us, he created us, and then in Christ he redeems us, and then in the Spirit he renews us. And this confession of faith is based on the Bible. Actually, you can't understand the Bible unless you also profess the Holy Trinity. And remember, faith is not only professing what the Bible says, it's also finding your, your confidence, your comfort in what the Bible says, also about the Trinity. And that's the aim of the sermon about the Trinity this afternoon then, too, to see the great comfort and assurance there is in our confession of the Holy Trinity. And I proclaim to you then the gospel with this theme over against Satan's unholy Trinity. Christ's church can find comfort in the confession of the Holy Trinity. And we see then in the confession of God the Father in the first place and in the confession of God the Son and finally in the confession of God the Spirit. First, the church's comfort in the confession of God the Father. Let me begin with mentioning somebody who knows all about the Holy Trinity quite well, and that's Satan. James writes, chapter 2 of his letter, that even the demons believe and they tremble. The devil also believes and knows God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How do I come to that, you might wonder? Well, the Bible shows us that the devil is the master deceiver and imitator, constantly out to destroy God's great work by means of deception through imitation. He can speak as an angel. We know he's that, that cunning that he can speak as an angel, try to cause people's to, believers to fall away from God, even tries to imitate the Holy Trinity. And that's what we read about. He tries to organize then a kind of trinity himself, an unholy trinity over against God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And by means of that unholy trinity, he constantly tries to undo the work of the holy trinity, creation, redemption, and sanctification or renewal. Now, we, we read a long section from the Revelation to John, a section which John has shown this woman, this woman, this child, and then following that, those three horrible beasts. And you know, of course, that the, the book of Revelation is a book of symbols. It's all symbolic here. The woman represents the church of all times. She gives birth, the child she gives birth to is the the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Those three awful beasts, though, that great red dragon, that beast from the sea, and the beast that came up from the earth, they represent that unholy trinity by means of which Satan is trying to destroy the work of God and keeps doing that even today. The Lord shows us here how the devil tries to ruin his work for us by means of those three beasts. In the first vision in Revelation 12, John saw this great red dragon 
huge, scaly, serpent-like creature. And this dragon, as John relates, is also called the devil and Satan. The seven crowned heads of this horrible-looking beast symbolize his aim of total world dominion. The ten horns indicate his great power. And with his tail, he swept down a third of the stars of heaven when he fell. In other words, the the devil dragged a large number of angels with him in his ruin and threw them to the earth. All this shows that we should never underestimate the power of Satan. He is the father of lies from the beginning. He lays claim to the whole world with its demons. He sets himself up as the ruler of the world, as the one in who, who has all the dominion over the world. He places himself, in fact, over against God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, the Almighty. The devil lays claim to everything that God the Father has made. And it looks like he is successful at that in his claim. Because he brought man to sin. And when sin entered the world, the whole world changed. Where once the earth could bring forth in abundance, there are now thorns and thistles. Where there was once only joy and peace, there is sorrow and hatred. Where once life was endless, there is now death and decay. Where mankind once loved and served God, there are now only enemies of God by nature. But God the Father did not give up on his creation, the world he had made. He didn't give it up to the devil. No, he promised that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And that brings us to that woman John saw in his vision in Revelation 12. She was clothed with the sun and had the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She represents the church in all its glory, the church of the 12 tribes of the Old Testament and the church of the 12 apostles of the New Testament. She's shown first as the Old Testament church, which is in anguish, Israel in anguish, because it, out of Israel has to come the Savior. A child is to be born. The child is the promised seed of the the woman who will crush the head of the serpent. Promised Savior born out of woman and out of Old Testament Israel. Well, that great red dragon, the devil knows that the woman is going to give birth to the Savior who will ultimately crush him. He knows that right from the beginning. God told him right after the fall. So he places himself in front of that woman so that he can devour and destroy her child as soon as it comes into this world. And he knows if he can do that, all creation will be his forever. But the child, however, was born, the promised seed of the woman, who would carry the government of the world on his shoulders, rule the nations with a rod of iron. John sees him caught up to God and his throne in heaven right after his birth. We're shown in one brief moment the birth, ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. His 30 years on earth is like just a a brief moment in the whole order of world history. The thing is, though, Satan was not successful at preventing the coming and the work of Christ. 
The child, our Savior, by his death and resurrection, established the eternal kingdom of God on earth at his death and resurrection and his ascension into heaven. And there the victorious Christ sits on the throne. And then his angels, after his ascension, cast that dragon, Satan, and his angels out of heaven. Heaven is liberated territory now. Satan doesn't go there anymore. Can't go there anymore as he did in the days of Job. He's cast on the earth. Great victory in heaven. But woe to the earth. For Satan and his hosts are now very active here on earth in great wrath because they know their time is short. It's limited. So then he sets his sight on that woman, the church, and does everything he can to destroy her. But look at how God the Father protects his people in Christ. When the dragon pursues the woman, he prepares a place in creation for her. A place that she can live on earth. A place in the wilderness. A place of isolation, even. God the Father, the Almighty Creator, keeps the church separated from the world, which is in the power of Satan. And he preserves the church of Christ and cares for it so that even when Satan tries to to wash it away with a flood out of his mouth, God opens the earth and lets it swallow up the flood. Tries to wipe the church away with a whole flood of lies. The earth opens up and shows that it can't do it that way. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, we confess God the Father in our creation. All creation belongs to him. And wants... And he wants to give it to his people in Christ. But the dragon, the father of lies, and his followers lay claim to it and they want to do away with the church. The heir of creation. But notice how God keeps his church here. In the Old Testament. Also in the New Testament, after Christ's birth and resurrection and ascension, he gives her wings to fly in the wilderness and nourishes there, her there for a time, times and half a time. That's three and a half years, we could say. Half of seven. Seven is the fullness of time. Half of the, that time is three and a half, 1,260 days. Three and a half symbolically re- Represents the time between Christ's ascension into heaven and his return then. God keeps and cares for the woman, his church. Even when the dragon, the devil, tries to overcome her with a flood, with persecutions, God has the earth swallow the flood. In other words, God the Father lets the history of the world unfold in such a way that the church is not overcome by the devil and his lies and his attacks. God the Father, the Creator, upholds and governs all things for the preservation and salvation of the church for His elect, redeemed by Christ, whom He wants to be the heirs of all creation. What a comfort to know that, right? From John's vision, congregation. Satan, the father of lies, the great red dragon, out to destroy God's people, to wipe God's elect off the face of the earth if possible. Today, too, and we see evidence of that, Even in our own nation, pressure is growing on the church, on the church of Christ, from feminists, from LGBTQ people, the the activists, from 
pro-choice people. They try to push hard. But congregation, the, the, the comfort that we have in this is that, that Satan cannot destroy the church of Christ. For God the Father, the creator of all things, he keeps and feeds the woman, the church, in the isolation of the wilderness. Like he did with his people Israel in the Old Testament when he brought them through the wilderness to the promised land. And yes, we might feel very isolated and vulnerable as Christians today if we don't go along with everything that the world in the power of the dragon does. If we don't go along with its ideas and philosophies and entertainment and so on. For instance, you can sometimes feel very alone as a Christian student in a secular college or university. And you think, what, what am I doing here? I'm so out of place here. But don't let it throw you off. God the Father, the Almighty Creator, keeps His church in the isolation of the wilderness. And via that wilderness, He will bring her to the joy of the promised land, to the new earth which is on the way. Just as certainly as He brought Israel into Canaan. Christ's church is a safe place to be. And you are safe if you remain in her And we come to the second part of the sermon, the church's comfort in the confession of God the Son. So congregation, we've already said some things about God God the Son and his work of redemption in the first part of the sermon. We saw how in a brief moment John saw the complete work of God's Son, Jesus Christ, here on earth in a just really brief thing, just moment. We saw the child born of that woman caught up to God and his throne in victorious exaltation, completed the work of redemption on earth and so the eternal fate of the devil is sealed even though all God's elect have not been born yet it still has to wait however as we also saw the devil that great dragon doesn't give up in this time even though he knows his fate is sealed in Christ's exaltation no he he shows himself in the second person of his unholy trinity in Revelation 13 John saw this other horrible creature A beast with seven heads and a blasphemous name on them and ten horns and with crowns on them. And that beast rose rose out of the sea which symbolizes humanity on earth. All mankind. And and he blasphemes. It's It's the opposite of what Jesus Christ did. He glorified the Father. But this beast blasphemes him. Blasphemes. Again, a creature which symbolizes power and dominion and evil power and dominion. And he's equipped to pursue, to drag down, to strike and devour the body of a leopard, feet like a bear's, a mouth like that of a lion. And notice that the dragon, the devil, the father of lies, gives his power and throne and authority to this terrible beast. And you see the close connection between the dragon then and that beast from the sea. Here the devil imitates the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. As God the Son did what the Father commanded him to do, so the beast rising from the sea of humanity does the dragon's bidding. And as God the Father gives all authority and power to the Son, so the dragon gives his power and authority to this beast from the sea. And the imitation If you think about it, that imitation is even more striking. That beast from the sea parades around with a mortal wound on one of its heads. Should have died because of that wound. 
but that wound was healed. Mankind without God should have perished, but they're able to keep alive. So it seems as if that beast has even gained power over death. And with that healing of that deadly wound, the beast tries to imitate Christ's victory over death, that is resurrection from the dead. But whereas God's son only makes himself known to his few disciples, the the beast, this beast displays his victory to the whole world, his mortal wound. And the world is amazed and worships the dragon and the beast, saying, who is like the beast? Revelation 13, verse 4. Who is like the beast and who can fight against it? And then John sees how that beast from the sea speaks great things and blasphemes God for 42 months. Again, three and a half years. The time we live in between Christ's ascension and his return. And that beast makes war against the saints and all unbelievers worship him. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, this beast from the sea is the exact opposite of God's son, Jesus Christ. Represents what John in his letters calls the the Antichrist. There have been antichrists and there will be antichrists, says John. The antichrist represents every effort of humankind to reject God and to save himself and the earth by his own power. And he seems to be able to even overcome death and is worshipped. But he always has to force people to worship him and the dragon. And he has to persecute the people of God. And that beast then represents any power or authority, any human power or authority which offers life and salvation outside of God's grace in Jesus Christ. And how many philosophies and theories have there been over the ages which promise life and salvation outside of Christ and which blaspheme the name of God in heaven and the believers of the past who now live there with God. See, nowadays, a lot of people figure religion is the big problem here on earth. If we could only get rid of religion, there would be peace here. There'd be a lot less conflict. Because religion is the cause of ignorance and conflict. Man can fix things himself. As long as he isn't carried away with ideals about salvation from outside this world and outside humanity itself. Man has to save this world. However, congregation, in spite of that amazing power of this beast, this son of the dragon, this antichrist, he cannot cause God's elect to lose their faith. They're not misled by him. In 13, verse 8, it says that everyone whose name was not written in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain will worship him. They'll go under with him. But those whose names were written in the Lamb's book of life will continue in faith and receive the life obtained for them by Christ They've been delivered from the devil's power and slavery and even death has lost its sting for them. So while others in the world cry out, who is like the beast? Who can can fight against it? You need to go along with it. You know that you belong to God's son, Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth. And he has already obtained victory over the beast for you. And that victory will be manifest in the end. And that's a great comfort as you deal with that beast who is the second person of the unholy trinity, that antichrist. Because what Christ has done cannot be undone anymore. 
those written in his book of life before the foundation of the world will not fall for the Antichrist. And we come to the last part of the sermon this afternoon. The church is comforted in the confession of God, the Holy Spirit. There's one more person of the Holy Trinity and also one more of the unholy Trinity. Revelation 13, another beast. And this beast, we see how the the devil imitates the Holy Spirit in order to be like God, to undermine God's work. And we see how by means of this creature, he tries to gather for himself a communion of people who are the opposite of the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. John Congregation saw this other beast come up out of the earth. He doesn't come from above, but from below. The Holy Spirit was poured out from above. This one comes from below. This beast doesn't look as terrible as the dragon or the beast from the sea. In fact, he resembles a lamb. However, he speaks like a dragon. The devil speaks lies, in other words. And this shows the deceitfulness of this third person of the unholy trinity, though he, even though he appears so nice and Christ-like too, he speaks for the devil and for the, be- and the, and for the beast from the sea, the Antichrist. And both of them have given him their power and dominion. As Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one, so the dragon, the beast from the sea, and this beast from the earth are united as one too. One aim. This beast from the earth carries out activity on behalf of the devil and the Antichrist. And he works great signs and wonders, and by means of them deceives the people of the earth and orders them to make an image of the beast from the sea, the Antichrist. He lets fire come down, just like fire came down at Pentecost on the heads of the Christians. And notice, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, how this beast works, though. He works with deception, brings people to believe falsehood by means of words. He tells people to make an image, and he makes that image speak. And he causes those who do not worship that image of the beast to be killed, causes people to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And the beast from the earth then uses words. He causes things to happen. So he's using words to convince people to work for him and for the other beast and the dragon. And in that, using the word, he imitates the Holy Spirit who works through the word. He is the antithesis of God, the Holy Spirit. He's the false prophet, sometimes called the false prophet. And you see what a caricature the Holy Spirit tries to make of it all then by means of convincing people to believe the lies and deceit of the devil. He tries to establish a sort of a communion, a sort of unity of people around that image of the beast from the sea, the Antichrist. And this false communion even has a mark. And whoever doesn't have the mark is shut out of the marketplace of the world. This false communion, in other words, tries to starve out the communion of saints and force everyone to receive this mark. So that that beast coming out of the earth tries to build up a society which rejects the worship of Christ, a society which is marked by this false spirit on the one hand and on the forehead. And that points to a way of acting 
and thinking that stands over against the way God and Jesus Christ want people to think and to act head in hand. This beast, this false prophet proclaims the truth of the gospel to be a lie. I have to think here of what happened last year in the province of Alberta where Christian schools were told they would have to remove from their school policies that the Bible is their ultimate authority and source of truth. They were told they would have to be shut down or lose their partial funding. Didn't happen as another government was elected by God's mercy. But we can expect Christians to be pushed aside like that more and more too, in our nation too. So the Bible doesn't prophesy a nice and bright and carefree future in this world for those who, who belong to Jesus Christ it will become more difficult for the church of Christ. It will be. But that doesn't have to make us afraid. We don't have to fear. Consider the number of the beast, which is the number of man. The Lord says in Revelation, it's 666. That's six and six and six. But it's never seven. The number of perfection. They won't get there. Completeness. They won't become complete. The efforts of the beast and those he convinces by his deceitful words words will always fall short. It'll always be six, not seven. Six, not seven. And six, not seven, which means failure after failure after failure. And congregation over against the repeated attempts of the beast from the earth to establish a communion of people who follow the dragon and the antichrist God the Holy Spirit establishes a communion of saints by the gospel. He convinces and he changes heart by means of the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, gathers in those written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. And he strengthens their faith by the mark of Christ on their forehead and placing their hands on the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper. And he does that in such a way that believers don't need to see signs from and fire from heaven. But they love and serve God and his son no matter what. The spirit works mightily through the word so that we trust God the Father and in the complete redemption of his son. He gives insight so we can see through all those nice words of the false prophet we can test the spirits and we realize this is not the truth but the word of God is the truth so in Revelation 12 and 13 congregation John saw the devil's unholy trinity and his work as dragon antichrist and false prophet and those three they're extremely busy working in the world we live in today you have eyes to see, you can see it happening. And it can, it can scare you if you think about what that unholy trinity can do to us as Christians. It has a lot of power. It can scare you. But brothers and sisters, boys and girls, over against that satanic unholy trinity, we confess from the Bible with the church of all ages, the holy trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one almighty and eternal God, 
one great work of redemption. And what a comforting confession that is. Satan may try his utmost to confound and destroy God the Father's work, but John's vision tells us he can't. God keeps and cares for the woman, his church, and the beast from the sea. The Antichrist may try to undo Christ's work, promising a false salvation, but John saw that he couldn't do it because our names have been written in the book of life of the Lamb who died and rose again victorious. And by means of the beast from the sea, the false prophet, the devil may try to destroy the, the working of the Holy Spirit and lure believers away from faith in the gospel. But the Holy Spirit works faith and perseverance in faith through the proclamation of the word and strengthens it through the use of the sacraments. And the false prophet cannot take that faith away no matter how hard he tries and works. And you realize then what a wonderful comfort it is to confess the Holy Trinity, God the Father and our creation, God the Son and our redemption, God the Holy Spirit and our sanctification. And wonderful then to receive that Trinitarian greeting that you received at the beginning of this worship service too from Revelation 1. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. That's God the Father, the eternal Father. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Again, seven, fullness of the Holy Spirit. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth, the Son of God who worked our complete redemption, who died, rose again triumphant, and who reigns over the nations with a rod of iron. In that greeting, God assures us that in this world in which Satan is so busy with his unholy trinity, God the Father, Son, and Spirit are working mightily for you, always at work to bring God's people through this wilderness to stand there, you two, with the 144,000, all God's elect in chapter 14, who stand with the Lamb Jesus Christ on Mount Zion and have their Father's name written on their foreheads and who praise Father, Son, and Spirit for their love and their complete work forever and ever. Amen. Receive the blessing of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.